We're learning the Avchavches. We're starting at the bottom of Chav Zayin Mavez. So we've been discussing how certain Nidarm that a person makes and he doesn't have any really any das to make an Adar. So the most recent one that we've been discussing is Nidre Onsen, where a person uh, would have wanted to make an Adar, but there was an onus which actually prevented the stipulation of the Adar from, from working out. So for example, someone says, if you don't come to my house, then uh, you know, you're forbidden to benefit from me. And the guy doesn't show up to his house. So you would say that should trigger the nether. But if he couldn't show up because he got really sick and he just couldn't, so then that stipulation of the, of the tanai to trigger the nether doesn't go into effect. And we had other examples that we learned about in the parak where people are just without having a legitimate amount of das of actually trying to make the nether, it doesn't go into take effect even if they made the words. So the Mishnah, it, it continues with some more examples of that. Nojin laharogin ulacharamin ulamosin. So let's say you got hargin. Hargin are just... They're bad people. These are the mafia. People are going to come and they're trying to take your life. You know, if not, if you don't give them your, your money. Or haraman are just in general, thieves. But again, dangerous situation. Mokhsin. Uh, so here are the tax collectors. So this is like the, the IRS. It's like a legal system. But we'll see that in the Gemara. Initially, it seems like it's the legal law that they're allowed to take your money. We'll get into that. At any rate, so they come to take your stuff. And you basically, what you want to do is you want to lie more or less, to protect, protect your money. And you want to say, you know what, this stuff is, uh, is truma. And the reason why that's going to push them away is they don't have any interest in the truma. First of all, they might be Jewish. They might, ironically, be, be more comfortable with stealing them with eating truma. But, uh, or just they, it doesn't have as high as a price tag. It doesn't interest them as much. So you want to, you want to, you want to convince them that this stuff is truma. Even though the truth is it's not truma. You want to say that really it's the king's thing that just happens to be in my house, but it's, 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 it's the treasury of, of the king. Clearly then they're not going to have an interest in it. Even though it's not really that way. And the Gemara will explain the way that you're doing this is that you, may, you say as follows, I'm telling you, this stuff belongs to the king, or I'm telling you this stuff is truma. And if you don't believe me, I'll tell you what, if I'm not telling you the truth, then uh, all of the fruit in the world should be forbidden to me or something like that. We'll talk, we'll talk more details in the Gemara. But you say, and if not, all the fruits in the world should, should become us from me. So in that scenario, basically that oath, that, that vow that you're saying, all the fruits of the world should become us from me, is only being said because you want to get these guys off your back. I mean, you're just trying to convince them that these fruits are, 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 are really not the stuff that they want to take. That's the whole idea. So you don't really have kavana to make an nether. Since your intent isn't strongly to make an nether, therefore it's not binding. Okay, and the specific heter to, to almost lie and back it up with the nether that's not binding, and we'll see some more details about that in the Gemara. Hold up here. At any rate, Bishamai says, you're allowed to use any type of nether to get out of this owner situation. However, you can't take a vow. So what is he trying to say? In other words, he's saying, you want to take a nether, you could, a shvua now. What's the difference between a nether and a shvua? A nether is, you say, right, that the, if I'm not telling you the truth, then all the fruits should become asr to me. You're asring the chafsa, you're asring the item, you're asring the fruits. Shavuah is that you promise in the name of God. It's a different thing. You're invoking God's name and saying that this is truthful just like Hashem's name is truthful. So swearing falsely, the shavuah is a much more severe thing. So Veshamai says that a person is, even though he's not having the real intent here to do it, right? It's just going to be to get them off his back. But you're not allowed to even swear falsely using God's name, even in this scenario. Veshul is more lenient. Veshul says, no, you're allowed to use even a shvua to get off to save your money. It's considered an ones. You're saving your money here, and you don't really have true intent to make, it, to make that shvua. Continues the Mishnah, Veshamai, Yomar, Malif, that it's forbidden to open up with this. Meaning to say, if, if they say promise me, then you can promise. But if they don't say swear and promise, you can't go and open yourself. Meaning even if you are making an idea, Bishama is making another point now. Don't, don't, don't go initiate. 
You want to say that it belongs to the king and they say prove it or promise or something like that. Okay, then you can make another to back up your point and say if it's not true, the fruits are awesome. But just in and of itself, to go and initiate that, you're not supposed to initiate that. You're even allowed to totally just open it up for yourself, initiate. It's a special hatter. Continues the Mishnah. You can only, again, this is Bishama Lashitasa. You're only allowed to make the oath, to make the vow from what they ask you. Swear to me that is true, right? So only on that point. But you're not allowed to embellish and talk, talk about more stuff. You can add whatever you want to it, the nether. In other words, if you want to make yourself sound a little bit more convincing and add and embellish more in your vow just to make it sound true, um, you're allowed to do that even though they, 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 they didn't ask you to swear about that. Ketzad, what's the example? Amarlo. So here the Ones guy is telling to the vower. He's saying, Amar konim ishi nenesli. Uh, say to me that if you're not telling the truth, then your wife should be also to benefit from you. For Amar, what did he respond? Not only did he say that, he said, konim ishti If I'm not telling the truth, then my wife and my kids can have no benefit from me. So that's an example. That's not what he was told by the tax collector. He was told by the tax collector to swear that if he wasn't t- telling the truth, then his wife shouldn't be also to him. He embellishes and adds more that uh, his son should also be also. In that case, Bishama is going to say, Ishim Mutaris, his wife, is permitted because that was a hetter. He had to swear about his wife. But the kids will be also because he didn't have a hetter to swear about them. Bishil is going to say both are mutter. So again, big picture over here. Bishil is extremely more lenient than Bishama. According to Bishil, once you get to the scenario where it is, um, they're trying to press you on your money and trying to take it. So you're telling them it's not what they think it is. And you're backing it up with a nether. So Bishama says you can only... Do it if they ask you to do it, and you can only say what they want you to say. You can't embellish, and third point, you can't take a shvua. Basil is saying you can initiate, you can take a shvua, and, you say, and certainly you can embellish. All right, so the Gemara starts off with this very famous Gemara. The Gemara starts off with the question, The law of the land is the law. So meaning to say that the question what the Gemara is bothered by is, what right do you have to, to evade taxes? Right? This very interesting question. Right? Then we're asking on the last case. The tax collector presumably is the law. So if it's a law, it's a law. So then, so then how we matter you from the nether and get out from paying the tax when you, you legally are owed? That's the Torah expects us to keep that. So the Ran tells us that there's no pasuk in the Torah that says dina is dina, but the Ran explains that it's a right of a citizen, meaning the land doesn't belong to you. Right? Even, if, even if they allow you to buy it, the truth is that there's always like a deeper kind of buying where it's only use, using power, but the actual land doesn't belong to you. So what happens is, is that it doesn't belong to you and it's always been some older, you know, kings or governments or whatever way, whoever owns the land, whoever discovered the land originally, I don't know exactly, think about really old times, but those are the people who are kind of allowing you to be there. So the idea is that the nationality, the rule, whatever the government comes up with, it's binding because it's almost like, and if you don't, if you don't want to keep that, you have no right to be here. That's the key. The Ran, therefore, is, it comes, comes, brings us to a fascinating nafkamina. It could be that there's no dina de machus dina in the land of Israel, because in the land of Israel, you cannot say that there's any particular person who gives me my right to be, to be there. As a Jew, I, I, I inherited it just as much as any other person inherited it. That's the point. Eretz Israel was given to my, to my forefathers. It's very different than whoever you know, discovers uh, whatever faraway land and, and goes and settles it. And now I want to join in that country. That's a fascinating afkamina that the Ron gives. There's also an interesting question. Is it, you know, to what extent? And we'll see based upon the Gemara's answers here. All right. Anyways, so this guy is just... It's out of control, what they're taking, right? In other words, it doesn't even have a limit. It's not, it doesn't have a set, a set thing. So what's the point? So therefore, what? So one shot is, and this is where it gets very, very important, uh, halacha. One shot is, therefore, the tax collectors start taking more than the law. 
So the tax collector should take more law. That's not the law. That's the pasuk shot. But the other rishonim say different. They say by definition, if it's not a fair law, then it's not a law. If there's no limit, it doesn't have a you know an algorithm here saying how much the taxes are, more brackets and this and that. If there's no reason to it, then then then, then that's not a law. Says the Gemara, <laughs> This is even worse. The tax collector was never even appointed to collect the taxes. He's scamming that he is a tax collector from the king. The reality is that he's not. So that would be like the biggest scandal of all time, right? Imagine the IRS, you know, you find out but they're not really backed by the government or something. Really, all the money is going somewhere else. That would be like a scenario like this. All right. So you're swearing again that the stuff is not, doesn't belong to you, therefore don't collect it. So now, and if you're saying it, if it's not true, then you're making a nether, right? So hey, nether, what's a nether? Nether is that you're offering something. So if you just would simply say, I promise this is the king's, that's not a nether. So what's the nether? So I'm a rab, Omer, he says, All the fruits of the world should become asr to me if these things are not the king's. You're, you're, you're trying to... Um, Prove, I guess, to say you're trying to prove with your words that what you're saying is true, your claim is true, that this doesn't belong to me, don't take it. And you're saying it, if it's not true, then the following nether should go in effect. And that's what he says is all the fruits in the world should become asr on me. So the Gemara at first doesn't understand how this halacha works because he, the words, this is where Nadarim gets very technical. The words that he are saying aren't true. And he said the nether is that if they're not true, then the fruit should become asr. So why is the nether not binding? What's the idea here? Says the Gemara. If he is saying that the fruit should become Asr, if the property that he had wasn't really the king's, then it should become Asr. How we matter? It sounds like it's a regular nether. There's nothing showing us that it's not like that. So what the words were said, so what's the titre over here that it's not a nether? So the, so the, the truth is that the Rishonim are all bothered. Maybe it's Nidre Zuzin. Isn't that Nidre Zuzin like we had when you were just selling it to get the price down? Remember that case in the Mishnah? Whenever the context is compelling. So it's not so easy to understand why the Gemara is asking. I guess the idea is it isn't that clear that he's, that he, that he's just saying it to, make, to get out of it. Maybe, maybe, maybe he's trying to say the truth and uh, the Nether Taka would be binding. He's like knossing himself. He's trying to say, I'm really not lying. So maybe it's not that compelling that he's not he doesn't really have a das to make a nether. Maybe he really is trying to tell the truth. So that's why the Gemara is bothered. Like, what shows us that this nether is not true? Says the Gemara, but Omar Hayom, you know what he said? He said only for today. So meaning to say, it's yes, he's saying if, he will the nether will be binding. But what is the nether? I won't eat the fruits of the world will be offered to me today if I'm lying. And then Elachanam, he won't eat fruit that day. So meaning it's not a header that to violate your nether. Really, the nether is chal. The Gemara is taking a huge change over here. The nether that he says, if I'm telling you not the truth, and this is not, and this is really my stuff, the fruits of the world should become lost for me today, and it's binding. That's what the Gemara is trying to suggest. So I'll take Gemara, yeah, but no fool of a tax collector is going to accept that. Because e the Amar Hayom, if he said that the penalty, if he's not telling the truth, it's only that he's answered today, the tax collector is not going to be moved by that, because anyone can go without eating fruit for a day. So if you're saying, oh, if I'm not telling you the truth, you know how bad it's going to be? Oh, the fruit of the world will be offered to me for a day. Okay. That doesn't show me you're telling the truth. That doesn't show me anything. Anybody cannot eat fruit for a day. So the Gemara clarifies the Pshadis. The case is he doesn't say how long with his words, but in his heart, he's thinking only today. Meaning he says, and if I'm not telling you the truth, I should be usher on the fruit. And he doesn't give a time limit. He doesn't say forever. But in his mind... When he said it, he meant that it should only be today. And the Gemara explains, Normally we say what a person is thinking, but they don't articulate, it doesn't have the ability to affect. 
Nonetheless, the Gabi owns in shiny. In this case, it could. Why is it? Because that's Gufa the Vart. The Vart is when a person is speaking to a tax collector and they're saying this and they don't say how long the fruit should be usher. Then we understand that it's open for interpretation based upon what's in his heart. Normally, why do we say Devarim Shabalebein and Devarim? Because we have no clue what you're thinking. How, how can I know what you're thinking? So if you're doing a deal, business, whatever it is, it's only how with the Das, which is expressed, which is articulated in speech. But here, it's not that we have no clue what you're thinking. You're probably thinking a shorter time frame and trying to scan it. It might not be in your words themselves, but we can say that your, your, what's in your heart can help qualify and, and, and explain what the words that you have said. So basically, we're coming out that the case is, he says, if I'm telling you something which isn't true, then the fruits of the world should be also. He gives no time frame. And in his mind, he's thinking that it should be only for the day. And uh, then we're saying a special hetter because of the owner situation, that's, there's a power in the Dvarim Shabalev to define the speech. And therefore, the nether will only be for the day. And that's how he gets him off his back. All right, now we go back to analyze what we said with Bishami. So Bishami said, Bakol, you could do, but not with a Shvua. Bishami said, Meshu, or what was the other thing? You can only respond about what they asked you to swear. But it's a little, you can embellish as well. They said, well, we want you to swear that if you're not saying the truth, your wife should be Asr. But Amar, he embellished and he said, right, that it should be my wife and my kid should be Asr. So then we said, said, only the wife is mother, but, but the kids will be Asr because that was taken from his own religion. And even the kids would be mother because he's Lamai, so he's saying it in the context of getting them off his back. Amar, we have a bride song where, where it says, Exact, a little bit of a different nosach. lo means he shouldn't open up. He shouldn't initiate a shvua. He can even initiate with a shvua. So first, the Gemara clarifies to try to understand what that means. Says the Gemara. It sounds like it from this b'raisa. It sounds like you shouldn't initiate with a shvua, but you could initiate with a vow. But the Mishnah didn't say that. When the Mishnah said it, it said You're not ever initiate. Meaning, how did the Mishnah present it? You're never allowed to initiate, and even when you respond, you can only respond with a nether, not with a shvua. The b'raisa says, "Don't." Bishamai is saying, "Don't initiate with a shvua." It sounds like you could even initiate with a vow, with a with a nether. So we have we have a stira. Another problem, but two, a second question. It sounds like Bishama here in the Bryce are saying, don't initiate with a shvua. It sounds like if they ask you to, you could respond with a shvua. Whereas the Mishnah sounded like you had never ever had to make a shvua. So we have two different questions. There's a contradiction between the way Bishama is presented in the Mishnah, the way Bishama is presented in the Bryce. In the Mishnah, it sounded like you can never use a shvua, and even when you're using a nether, you can only respond, you cannot initiate. In the Bryce, it sounds like the only thing you shouldn't do is initiate with a shvua. You could respond with a shvua, and you could even initiate with a nether. So I think Mark explains, no, 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 no. Really, according to Beit Shammai, it's the way we understand it, that it's always also to make a shvua, and it's also to initiate a nether. I, the Bryce, the Mishnah told you don't initiate with a nether to tell you how extreme Beit Shammai went. We're so machmer that you're, even though you could take a nether, but don't initiate. But the reason the Bryce spoke about initiating a shvua was to tell you how extremely lenient Beit was, that Beit was coming to say you could even open up with a shvua. So really the facts are Beit Shammai holds you can never open up at, at all, even with a nether. Why did he say you can't open up with a shvua? Just because he was speaking about a shvua, so the contrast in Beisila would be more highlighted. Beisila holds you can open even with a shvua, so it gets very polarized. Beishamai holds you can never open. Beisila holds you can open even with a shvua. Within Beishamai's opinion, even when they ask you, you can only respond with another and not with a shvua. That's the bottom line. Says the Gemara, second reproach. Rabashi Amar This is uh, what the Brisa is saying. 
Uh, we're talking about something else completely entirely. Remember the power that you're allowed to be matir neder? Can you be matir shvua? Remember, shvua is different because you use God's name to say, my statement is truthful, just like Hashem's name is truthful. So it's a little bit more severe. It says if a person takes Hashem's name in vain, whatever, Hashem is lo yinaka, he'll never absolve. So Beishamai says, therefore, it's so severe that no rabbi should ever be matir a shvua. You could be matir a neder for somebody. You could annul a neder, but don't be annul a shvua. Basilel says no, Yeshua Shvua. So according to the second interpretation, we totally had the, the text in the Bryce that totally messed up, had nothing to do with us whatsoever. It was just a new dispute regarding whether or not the uh, 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 can be can annul a Shvua which is made. Okay, now we're going to really switch gears. This next sugya is a very, very famous sugya. It's called the sugya of Barpada. We're going to see it's a very long Gishmaka sugya, a lot of great lambdas. Um, but it's not really a direct continuation of Nidraeonsim. It's just going to be other Nidarim that people take that have certain built in time frames. So the Mishnah says this is the case here. Hare Nitios Elu Carbon Amino Nixasas. A person's got some saplings, and he says that these saplings should become an offering, and he means monetarily. They should become designated for Carbonos, like holy. So it's a, it's a nether. Im Ino Nixasas. If. If they do not, um, if they do not, if they do not fall, that's the point. And as the Gemara is going to tell us, it seems like they were threatened to fall. It was like a nice, strong wind was blowing, and he says, and he, and he thinks they're going to fall anyway, probably, right? So he says, if they don't fall, they should be consecrated to God. It's like his plea to God to, to kind of to save them. That's the idea. So he says that these saplings should become a carbon if they do not come uh, get cut down, or he sees that maybe there is a fire that's around. And he's nervous that his, all his stuff is going to burn. So he says, If this somehow survives and doesn't get consumed in the fire, then it should become holy as a carbon. So in these cases, he's making it, kind of hoping it's going to be saved, but realistically, he might be thinking it's probably anyway, it's not going to be saved, so the nether won't take effect. So what's the law? They're subject to the law of being redeemed. Meaning, if they don't get... If his stipulation went in effect, either the tree didn't get cut down or the talus did not get burned, then in fact, what would the law be? They become holy. And therefore, meaning... They're sanctified. The something which belongs to the Mesa Mikdash, uh, before you use it, you'd have to redeem it. So Yeshlam Pidyon is a very fancy way of saying that it becomes consecrated. And the Gemara will talk about that language. All right, second case in the Mishnah. Let's say he said, So here he says a fascinating thing. The Kedusha should be chal on the saplings, but only until they're cut down. So in other words, he's, he's putting in a time frame, like a limitation for how long they're going to be holy. They should be holy only until they're cut down. Or he says, Talzu, carbon achitisar. It should be holy, but only until it burns. If it burns, then not. So they know, So again, it could be the same exact scenario. He's like, I'll make it holy, but not, if it burns, then it shouldn't be holy anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll make my sapling holy, but if it falls down, I don't want it holy anymore. So in those cases, in Lampidion, the Mishnah says they do not have redemption. So the question is, what does that mean? It does not have redemption. We'll have to see in the Gemara. Eventually, the Gemara is going to tell us what it means is, if you redeem it now, it does nothing happens. Meaning, if I say on an edge, this thing should be holy until the next 30 days, so then even if I redeem it, what happens is, it automatically becomes re-sanctified again. So the language of this is very, very misleading. It says, in Lampidion, they don't have redemption. But the Gemara is going to explain to us, what does it mean they don't have redemption? I said they should be holy until they're cut down. So what it means is that, redeeming it won't do anything because I said the consecration should be until they are cut down. So even if I redeem them now, but if they still haven't yet been cut down, so they automatically revert back to being holy. It's a fascinating thing. What you're setting in effect is that it's like, it's not eternal, but is that it must be holy until that time. So nothing you will do can get away from that edger. It will just keep on coming back and back. And we'll talk about that more and more in the Gemara. 
All right, so first, we, the Gemara is bothered by the language of the Mishnah. We spoke about the guy who's the, who's, who, who sees, you know, the wind is blowing, and he says, if they don't fall down, they should become, they should become holy. And we said that, that then what happens? They, they become subject to pidyon. So the Gemara says, well, listen to Kedushas, why don't you just say they're holy? Right? Why say they are subject to redemption? That's a very backwards way of saying they become holy. And then also in the Seifa, when we said, ain't lam pidyon, about that, that, that the pidyon doesn't help, listen, why don't we just say, ain't kedushas, they're not holy. So the Gemara explains because in the Seifa it doesn't mean that it's not holy, right? by the Mishnah Seifa Eilam Pidyon. In the Seifa it doesn't mean they're not holy. It means they are holy, and redeeming them doesn't change anything. Remember, in the Seifa, what's the point? You're saying these things should be holy until they're cut down, and then the Mishnah is saying a Chiddush is that even if you do redeem them, they'll be, go back and be revert to being holy again because you said they should be holy until they are cut down. So redeeming them in the middle doesn't do anything. They revert back to being holy. So there, the Mishnah wanted to speak about redemption. That was the point. It's not that they're not holy; they are holy. The point is that they're so holy until they're cut down that even redeeming it won't do anything. So since the Seifa wanted to say the words in lam pidyon, that pidyon is ineffective, so therefore the ratio, when it was just trying to say they become consecrated, in symmetry it followed that and uses and used the language that, they, um, that they're subject to pidyon. Says the Gemara, what was the language that this guy used for the, for the saplings over here? What, what exactly did you say? Because the language of the Mishnah was that the saplings become a carbon if they're not cut down. And what's bothering us is that Every single tree in the world, maybe it takes a thousand years, maybe, but every single tree will eventually fall. Okay, that's what the Gemara is assuming. No tree is, is eternal. So, what does that mean? This tree should become usher if it doesn't fall. It's ridiculous. We, 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 we know for sure that the Tanai will never, will never be fulfilled. What did he say? It should become Kadosh if it won't fall down. It for sure will fall down. It's just a question of when. So the language in the Mishnah doesn't make sense. Basically, there's no reason it should go into fact. This tree should become holy if it will not fall down. That's rubbish. Every single tree will fall down. So the Gemara explains, He says, if it does not fall down today, he's limiting it to today. So therefore, we could see, will, be, it will, will, will the stipulation go into fact? It depends. If it will be cut down today, then it will not go into effect. If it won't be cut down today, it will go into effect. The day passes below next to it was not cut down. And therefore, we're saying... The, the Tanai was, was, was fulfilled and the Hakdish, the consecration, will be how? Why do you have to tell me this? This is obvious. If a guy says this tree should become consecrated if it does not fall down today, then we'll see, wait and see if the day passes, if it doesn't fall down, it becomes consecrated. Are you telling us any novelty here? What is the Chiddush of the Mishnah? It says the Gemara Lot was necessary for the following case. It's not that a person is randomly talking about a, a, a tree. What happens is going to Ika Zikon There's a wild storm of a wind and he has a small little sapling and it might be very valuable to him and he's very nervous about the wind blowing it down. So what that what he's saying when he says it should become holy if it doesn't if it doesn't call down if it doesn't fall down today, so it's a big chiddush because somebody could say he probably thinks it's going to fall down. It's just like a last ditch, you know, like effort to save the tree, which he doesn't think he could salvage. He says, "Oh, if it doesn't fall down today, it should be holy." He thinks it's going to fall down today. He doesn't really actually mean what he's saying. It's just like a crazy thought that he's having right at the end, but he's not serious. And therefore, I would say it should be chal if if somehow the miracle occurs and it doesn't fall down. I would say it shouldn't be Chal, because probably he said it only thinking that it was going to fall down anyway. It was like he had given up on it already at that point. And that's what we're saying, that that's not, not, not true. Actually, Fakarit, he didn't give up on it, right? And that's maybe, he was, he was offering to Hashem, and that was his point here, that if it doesn't fall down, if Hashem saves the tree, then I'll give it to God. So Gemara, that's very good for the tree, but what about the talus? We said that the talus, if it doesn't get burned, it should be hectic. So what, what, what do you have, some sort of case, like... If things get burned now, the Gemara is not assuming we're talking about a case where there's a present fire. That's going to be the answer. So the Gemara is trying to figure out the case. Talus is Is the talus ever like about to be burned? What is the case? So the Gemara says, in, you could have the same thing. You go into the Lega, there's a fire here right in front of you, right out. 
and he's nervous. And the talus will get burned. And my closet gets burned. He's, the, the fire's in the room. And it's about to destroy his thousands and thousands of dollars worth of clothes that's in his closet. So he's saying, Mamash, that same thing. If whatever, somehow my clothes are saved, then, uh, then they should become consecrated to God. And that's what, exactly what he's saying. So, 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 so he's got the lake off. So, so, and you could have the same thing with the Natiyah. You could have a crazy wind. And these two cases, somebody could think, and he's thinking that they're not going to be saved. That's the only reason he's making the net there, because he's not serious. He's not really thinking that it's going to happen. No, he really is having an idea. Because if you wouldn't have in mind that it's actually going to happen, it would be like the similar Nitri Shkragos or something like that that we learned about where you don't actually have it. Uh, good das. Good das for it to be chal. So therefore, you would say it's not chal. Kamash malon, that it is. All right, so we're just going to start Barpada. Now it's after the two dots, it's Barpada. We'll start, make a two-minute start for today, but we'll learn it more in depth tomorrow. Here we go. What did the Mishnah say in the last case? We're going to focus on the last case. A guy said, these saplings are kadosh until they are cut down. The opposite. The first case was they're holy if they don't cut that down. The second case is he says these are holy and he gives a time frame until they fall down. So what did the Mishnah say? In lahem pidyon, redeeming them won't happen. So the Gemara says, what does that mean? Ula olam, that means forever redeeming doesn't help? What does that mean? In other words, normally, when you redeem something, what happens? If something is holy and you redeem it, it becomes consecra- the, the money becomes consecrated and the item loses its, consecra- its consecration. What does our Mishnah mean when it says that these trees don't, don't have redemption? Why not? In other words, at what point? Even after they cut, cut down, at that point, they're no longer holy at all. What do we mean there's no redemption? So Barapada explains what it means is, during the time frame, before they get cut down, while the nether still is on them, that they should be holy, even if you do redeem them, they automatically revert back to becoming hektish. That's the idea. During the time frame that you said they should be holy, redeeming, will not, redeeming them won't be effective to remove their kedusha. They will automatically revert. And the idea of that is, as Ron explains and he elaborates, is that you made a vow, not just that you should be holy, but that they should remain in their constant state of holiness until, until they're cut down. And you're actually like thinking down the line, I'll make a holy, and even what, that's goof of what he's saying. And even if somehow the holiness would go off, like I redeem them, but the new holiness should come back. So he's kind of making like infinite number of nidart, right? He's saying it should automatically, all for sure, keep on being holy until it gets caught. Uh, Padan, if he, let's say, redeems it again, same thing. They'll be holy as well. But this is only It's not forever. It doesn't mean it can, it's going to remain holy forever. So it will remain holy only until they cut down because that's what he stipulated. He stipulated they should be only be holy until they get cut down. But what happens in Nixitzu? Let's say they do get cut down. Then what happens? At that point, you should make a redemption. You should make one redemption. And the reason is because or else it looks like Something holy just lost its holiness. We don't have such a concept. In order for holiness to go away, redemption should be made. But at that point, after redemption, it will be effective. It's not going to become holy again. So to summarize Barapada's view, you said this tree should be holy until it is cut down. That means as follows. Until they are cut down, no matter how many times you try to redeem it, it's always going to go back and be holy and holy and holy. After the time frame is up and now it's cut down, now you must make a pidyon. You must redeem it because holiness doesn't go, go away by itself. You redeem it, and now that's it. It will become um, not holy. It will not revert back anymore.
Ulam Ula disagrees. He says, He disagrees on the second part. Ula says, once you cut it down, you don't need to make a pidyon. Ula says, there's no such rule that things that are holy can't just lose their holiness. They could, because you stipulated it should be holy only until it was cut down. So according to Ula, yes, maybe it's true that, 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 that during the time frame, maybe he could agree to that point that they're holy and they revert back to being holiness. Maybe, maybe Ula may agree to that. But according to Ula, that's not what the mission was saying. Ula understands the mission was saying, after the time frame is up and the tree now was caught, you don't need pinyon. Ain lahem pinyon. They don't need it pinyon. It's just automatically leaves. So essentially what Barpada and Ula are disagreeing about is, and you can walk away with this point, is that they're arguing about whether Kedusha could leave by itself. If someone built in a time frame to the holiness, and now the, 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 the time frame is up, according to Barpada, the Kedusha doesn't leave by itself. You will, you will need to redeem it. Therefore, Barpada learned the Mishnah, Ain lahem pinyon, means during the time frame, the pinyon is not effective, it will keep on being holy and holy again during the time frame. Ula holds after the time frame, you do not need pidyon. Einlam pidyon can be interpreted, you don't need to make any redemption. Does Ula disagree with the first point of Barpada? That the Rishonim disagree about. But definitely in terms of what the reading of the Mishnah is, Einlam pidyon is saying different things. According to Barpada, Einlam pidyon means during the time frame, pidyon is not effective, it will revert back to being holy. According to Ula, Einlam pidyon means at the end of the time frame, it's not necessary to redeem them at all.